Hello and welcome to This Climate Business, the podcast about turning the climate crisis into opportunity. Please follow us on social media and rate the podcast as it helps others to find us. I hope you enjoy the show. In the third interview in our series about 2023, I spoke to Rowan McMahon, Principal of the Climate Venture Capital Fund, about what's coming up in terms of investment and technology. So, Rowan, we've heard from Mark about what is on the government's agenda and also from Victoria about what's on the corporate agenda. But I'm curious to know from you as someone who is right at the uh, coalface, if you like, of spending, how do you think the climate will work out this year in terms of things like procurement decisions or investment decisions and maybe even uh, what kind of technologies do you think might be deployed uh, you know what i'm what are you seeing on the ground well i think we're probably seeing an, an upwelling of activity um amongst uh, businesses of most varieties out there as they recognize uh, climate risk um recognize the changing nature of the markets that they're competing in um mm. recognize some of the government policy responses that are out there and and get their own kind of uh, house in order and get their own work plans uh, well underway and what does that mean? I mean, let's take a, a category like investment. You are an investor yourself. Um, mm-hmm. What are the trends? Where is the money going uh, in in climate land? Well, there is a, a broad trend towards green finance or sustainable finance or climate finance. You can choose different terms for it. And you can see that across most asset classes. Uh, so if you're looking at... Um, you know, broad business lending. Uh, the, the big banks, people like BNZ and Westpac, now have uh, categories for sustainable finance. In practice, that might mean you can get a relatively cheap loan or some different loan terms if you're uh, a consumer or a household who's looking to buy an electric vehicle or if you're looking to put um, solar panels on your roof, that sort of thing. Um, and you'll also increasingly see that those programs will be extended into uh, the corporate sector. So there's more and more um, corporate borrowers uh, doing green bonds where they're uh, basically borrowing on specific terms um, from you know the, the lending community uh, based mm. on particular green uh, programs that they're rolling out across their corporation, which might be energy efficiency or uh, something to reduce emissions. Mm. Is there also, so that's sort of in the debt area, in the equity or an investment side of things, are you seeing a, a I suppose, is equity starting to be used to change behaviour or change the way that investments are done, um, both negative and positive? Certainly on the positive side, um, there's, uh, you know, as you know, I'm a partner in the Climate Venture Capital Fund and we invest uh, in relatively early stage companies that can decarbonise the planet. Uh, What we have seen is a really massive increase in the number of firms that are out there in that ecosystem, some of which are Mm. a little bit larger than venture capital stage firms, some of which are true startups, which are right in the venture capital space, and others which are, uh, you know, which are really uh, true corporates um, and, you know, uh, have very different um, financial profile, but are putting their capital towards, um, you know, greening up their product range or their own operations. So really Mm. from from A to Z, from the earliest stages of startups where, you know, they're seeking capital um, to innovate and to build new technologies to decarbonise the planet, right through to some very, very large corporates that recognise that, you know, selling a kind of carbon-intensive product is not necessarily where uh, they need to be. Um, And so, you know, some of the largest emitters in New Zealand are, uh, are busy trying to present a cleaner face to the world 
Um, and, you know, that's to be welcomed. You know, we, we expect that to see that those moves accelerate. And I guess what I would look for as a consumer is to make sure that those offers are genuine and legit and that uh, there isn't any hint of greenwashing going on. Hmm. What about in the procurement space? Companies spend a lot on suppliers. Uh, are those suppliers starting to feel the heat of climate expectations, of, of emissions expectations? I understand yeah. you've been talking to Victoria from PwC about the new climate disclosure standards, which are just starting up at the moment. Um, you know, that they are mandatory uh, disclosure standards for listed entities and for many large investment organisations. We expect to see uh, those uh, moves um, sort of uh, push up and down the supply chain into more procurement uh, type decisions. And I think you're already starting to see that. There's a lot of um, procurement moves towards uh, cleaning up your footprint. Obviously, that depends on what the nature of your footprint is. Um, mm. But you're seeing some quite large firms that are moving major parts of their operations towards uh, cleaner uh, formats. Um, so, you know, one example, you know, I've done quite a bit of consulting work in the waste sector and uh, waste management, which is one of the two large uh, waste management uh, organisations in New Zealand. Um, they've got 28 uh, electric vehicles in their truck fleet um, so far, and they're adding a further 23, almost doubling the number in, um, uh, in this year. And why they're doing that, you know, it's probably a good corporate citizen sort of type of move. But you could imagine that their large clients, which would be corporates and um, local councils, would be pressuring them to make sure that those trucks that mm. are driving around picking up our rubbish are, uh, are low carbon. Mm. Um, what other investments or sectors, if you like, you know, what kind of categories of uh, technologies are being affected by that kind of expectation? You, you mentioned fleet. That was that would be a sort of an obvious one, electrification of fleets. Are there other areas that are, uh, particularly this year and the next 12 months, that are going to be the focus of attention and change? Yeah, well, it's a very interesting year, isn't it, because it's an election year. So, you know, I expect to see uh, the government trying to make some decisions on the very vexed area of agricultural emissions. Um, as I say, the market's already moving towards uh, lower carbon um, agricultural products, foods and food and beverage uh, as it is. Um, so you can expect to see that continue kind of almost regardless of that decision, although the decision might, you know, accelerate that mm -hmm. progress. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of that's driven by consumer demand, and I think it's driven by people recognising that they um, need to try a little harder. Uh, so, you know, I was looking at Silverfern Farms, for example. You can buy a certified carbon-neutral beef from Silverfern Farms these days. Um, on the other hand, how many people would actually buy that? How many people are motivated to check uh, what the branding is on their, on their meat of choice? Um, mm. And how many people will, would, would use that as a, a motivating um, sort of decision-making factor for them? I guess that's, mm. that would be interesting to understand. Um, so I certainly see in that food and beverage space that um, there'll be a lot more growth in that. And I think you would, you know, if you look in the supermarket shelves these days, there's more and more uh, green characteristics in food products, plant-based milks and um, non-meat proteins and the like. And the more traditional products uh, that might be coming from Silverfern Farms or the like um, are, are looking to have their own story sorted out so that they can uh, maintain consumers' uh, trust. Mm. Industrial heat must be an area of focus. Yes, it is. It's, um, it's interesting. We uh, haven't probably seen as rapid progress in that area as I would have expected to see, given that I think there's actually still some low-hanging fruit there around emissions reduction. But the government's um, co-investment uh, fund known as GIDI, the uh, Government Investment in Decarbonising Industry Fund, um, has quite a bit of funding uh, available there for uh, typically um, uh, 
manufacturers that want to decarbonize. And so um, mm. I know that there's a number of corporates that are going through that application process and we'll be looking to um, to secure uh, ways to decarbonize those um, forms of manufacturing uh, quite soon. Um, and, you know, we see other kind of industrial um you know, issues uh, such as the current CO2 crisis. You know, how ironic is it that CO2 is, uh, is all too, um, there's all too much of it in the atmosphere, but uh, you can't get any for your beer or for your uh, greenhouse. So it's uh, quite a strange situation, isn't it, out there? If we, if we weren't making CO2 from fossil fuels um, at a single plant in Taranaki, uh, then perhaps we wouldn't have this problem. Um, so, you know, I do think that um, greener um, technologies uh, would help here. Um, you know, we've, uh, we're familiar with a company called Hotline Labs, for example, which is a technology uh, firm uh, that's developing new solutions in the horticulture space. Um, you know, it's a growing market and there is this issue of, of CO2, um, which is, you know, currently made with fossil fuel sources, which is not great. Um, but also, as we now know, uh, it's a single point of failure for industries that need CO2 because we have only one manufacturer in New Zealand, as I say, over in Taranaki. So, um, Definitely some technology changes that are um, starting to come through there. You expect to see hydrogen uh, make its big debut. There are little plays around hydrogen and you see the odd occasional, you know, kind of hydrogen um, vehicle that's that's showcasing the technology. But when, when will that be mainstream, if ever? I think it's still coming. I think the uh, some of the work that Hiringa is doing uh, around rolling out a, um, a sort of uh, trucking refueling network is is uh, is underway, um, and they're making progress. Uh, but it's it's going to take some time. What we've looked at is that that particular use case, which is around a small number of refueling stations to serve a relatively small number of large heavy vehicles, uh, that's a good use case for hydrogen, and I think that will prove itself out over time. Um, not so convinced for the small passenger vehicle um, type of market, uh, mm. but I did actually, as it happens, see a hydrogen vehicle here in Auckland yesterday, which is the first time I've seen one on the street. So they do exist and they are being trialled. Uh, so I think that market will uh, continue to develop. But you know, there are specific use cases to be uh, developed rather than one sort of one size fits all type of solutions. Your transport's a quite a complex area. It's you know it's been driving a lot of emissions growth, but um, you know, there's passenger vehicle type usage, there's light commercial vehicles, um, there's mass transit in our uh, public transport systems, and there's heavy vehicle usage, and there's, there's ferries and trains and buses and so on. You know, I'm probably, um, being here in Tamaki Makoto, I'm probably pretty disappointed with the progress that we're making on public transport in particular. Um, mm. You know, I think that uh, it would be good to see the, the bus fleet being electrified faster, and, you know, the, a lot of the train systems are currently shut. Um, which is putting more people onto the road. So, you know, I'd love to see private operators, you know, because a lot of public transport is is run by private bus fleets and the like. I'd like to see them getting more support from government to uh, to electrify faster. And I think that would um, we'd have a much better shot of um, decarbonising public transport if we had good public transport. I mean, for Auckland, that is the low-hanging fruit, isn't it? Uh, you know, that is our largest source of emissions. It's the one area where behaviour change could make a massive difference to our total greenhouse gas footprint. Um, and it's the year that public transport is effectively offline. Yeah, that's how I see it. I mean, the uh, Council's Transport Emissions Reduction Plan agreed last year said that we uh, should collectively as a city be reducing transport emissions by 64% by 2030. Uh, so if you do that at a linear rate, it's kind of about 8% per annum. I can't see how we can do that unless we have loads of electric uh, buses getting out there. 
um, and effective uh, on-time trains. Um, mm. And at the moment, we don't have either of those. So I suppose that's some, um, you know, perhaps that's a little off topic for uh, for for you today, <laughs> but that's something that I'm, I'm pretty motivated about this year. Well, it kind of sets the context for 2023, uh, which sounds, from what you're describing, another year of kind of incremental change. Uh, we're not likely to see the a decision, for instance, on the Onslow Dam or the closure of a Huntley or the winding down of um, gas-powered electricity. Nothing as big as that, right? It's sounding like it's uh, just a year of quite steady progress towards uh, a low emissions future, but not a very fast one. I think that's right. Um, I'm seeing, you know, more uh, technology change coming through the private sector, more consumer demand for cleaner products and a lot more corporate um, uh, procurement and investment in into these sorts of more sustainable offers, all of which is good. Um, you know, if you look at the work that is going to come through climate disclosure or you look at the um, the reports from the Climate Leaders Coalition around the emissions footprint of some really, really large emitters in New Zealand, you know, they're making steady progress, um, but it's perhaps not spectacular progress. That and, and unfortunately, particularly in that transport area, you know, that's the area that we need to see come down really quickly in order mm. to uh, to hit our overall targets. Um, you know, I, I would love to see the government be ambitious on agricultural emissions, um, but in, in an election year, uh, realistically, I don't think that's going to happen. Well, that might be a nice way to end by asking you, what is your hope? And I've asked the other two, uh, what is the, what's a realistic hope um, uh, that you would like to see happen by the end of 2023? I'd like to see New Zealand making um, much faster progress collectively on uh, climate change. And, and, and all of us, you know, the team of five million, if you will, um, ha- having an understanding of the things that uh, we can and should be doing. Um, it feels like there's a lot of activity out there, which is really great, but you know, sadly, because uh, the um, you know the broader environment for climate is, is not good. Uh, I was reading about the Thwaites Glacier down in Antarctica a couple of days ago, for example. Um, you know, we've, we've now baked a lot of um, extra emissions into the atmosphere, and that means that you're going to be seeing more flooding events, uh, more big storms, and uh, you know, more forestry slash on beaches and so on. So that kind of negative story is going to be you know in front of people more and more, and it's now unavoidable. Uh, I think that makes it, um, you know, incumbent on us to be to be doing more ourselves, um, whether it's in our purchasing decisions or, you know, asking our elected representatives to uh, to act responsibly on our behalf, um, or thinking about our investments and uh, where our money goes. Hmm. I mean, it's ironic that you're saying this to me while I'm sitting looking out on my garden, being uh, deluged with a sort of biblical downpour for this weekend uh, yet again. Uh, New Zealand sort of getting in line of um, an atmospheric river, which, you know, I I, you can't blame climate change, but you've got to think that this is going to be more common. Yeah, I'm not too sure about that current weather system that's coming in from the north, but, you know, those broader um, tropical uh, storm-type activities from the Coral Sea, you will see more of those. But certainly those uh, big systems that have hit from the west over towards the west coast and Nelson, Tasman and so on, they're, they're clearly climate influenced, and all the scientists tell us that is that the um, you know the uh, these systems because it's just a little bit warmer, one to one point three degrees warmer perhaps. They're capable of carrying maybe eight to ten percent more rain, and and you will see more of these systems. Um, and so uh, unfortunately, that downside is is now pretty much baked in. Um, and I think it's up to us to get on with the upside and, and get up and get to, you know get with the program. And you know, as an investor in the space, I believe that there is demand for 
better solutions and that uh, you know you will see uh, more and more of these products and services coming to market as we um, we sort of develop our, our technology change out uh, towards a cleaner future and I just think that the the bad news is going to be upon us and it will um, it will encourage more and more of us to uh, to get with the program. Always a silver lining with you, Rowan. Nice talking. Uh, I hope you have a great 2023. Yeah, and to you too. Thanks very much. And um, I really appreciate the opportunity. This Climate Business, the podcast about turning the climate crisis into opportunity. Please follow us on social media and rate the podcast as it helps others to find us. This Climate Business is brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand.